Hey, thanks for checking out the weekly podcast from Chattanooga Valley Baptist Church. We hope you found this episode to be challenging and encouraging. Now, let's turn our attention to this week's sermon from Pastor Brian Carroll. I probably shouldn't tell the world this because I don't really want my truck to get broken into, uh, but I keep a keep a little bottle of, of hand sanitizer right in the center console of my truck, and, and I've, I've found that, that I've gotten into a kind of a new routine. Whenever I go out into a public place, whether it's a, a grocery store, a gas station, uh, I will say that some of our local gas stations have got little things of lunch lady gloves attached to the gas pumps now, and so you can actually get your hand in a lunch lady glove and, and, uh, and pump your gas, which I thought was really, really helpful. But, but I found that when I get into the truck now, that I'll get in, I'll get my keys out, I'll I'll crank the truck, and then I'll reach over into the console, and I'll give myself a, a little bit of a squirt of, of hand sanitizer. Um, now, this is a new routine. I can safely say that in March, I did not keep a bottle of hand sanitizer in my truck. Much less did I really give a second thought to the number of things that I had just touched that countless other people have touched before me. So here's the thing. I, I'm not terribly worried about catching the plague or the coronavirus, or if you're, if you're really hip and upcoming, I'm not worried about catching the Rona. But I am concerned about being responsible for spreading it to the people in my family or, or even the wonderful people who've been gathering in this room with me on, on Sunday morning. Um, so, so getting a little squirt of hand sanitizer in the truck is a matter of of first importance to me. It's, it's, a, it's a no compromise position. It's something that, that yesterday I had my son in the truck and I looked at him and when he got in the truck I said, you, did, you, did you sanitize? Well, no, Dad. Squirt, squirt. You know, you need to get, get the hand sanitizer on. It's a no compromise position. It's a, it's a simple thing. I'm not out licking doorknobs or touching all the elevator buttons, but I can get in and, and get a little squirt of hand sanitizer in my truck before I, before I carry on about my business. Over the last 13 weeks, we've been, we've been taking a tour of the, of the scriptures at a 30,000-foot level. We've not dug in verse by verse, but we've been taking this grand tour over the whole storyline. And each week, we've been looking at a, at a key passage that lays the groundwork for the coming of Christ. Each week, we've touched on what I believe to be a non-negotiable concept. Each week, we've looked at these things that are of matters of 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 first importance, no compromise. Now, you can't separate these ideas. If you begin to take any of these away, you begin to unravel the story. It takes each one. Each one is, each one is significant. You can't say one is necessarily more important than the other. And just like in architecture, it takes every stone to build the arch. If you take a stone away from the arch, the arch loses its ability to hold itself up. However, the, the stone at the center of the arch, if you've ever seen an architectural arch, you'll often notice that the stone in the middle at the top of the arch is, is in some way or another uh, pronounced or, or highlighted in some way because they call that the, the keystone. Because the keystone is the piece that locks the entire structure into place. And I will say that today, what we are going to talk about, this stop on our journey, is the keystone of our journey. So this morning, let us turn our attention to the empty tomb of the Lord 
and consider the resurrection. However, we're not going to look at the gospel accounts of the resurrection. All the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all include resurrection stories. We're not going to look there. Instead, we're going to turn to what I call the theology textbook of the New Testament, the, the New Testament book of Romans, the letter that Paul wrote to the church in Rome to prepare ahead of time for his journey there. And we're going to look at the first few verses of Romans chapter 1. So if you've got your Bible, open to Romans chapter 1 as we read God's Word together. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his son, who was descended from David according to the flesh, and was declared to be the Son of God in power according to the Spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nations, including you who are called to belong to Christ Jesus. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for its truth. We thank you for the significance of what it has to teach us. Today, as we consider the, the keystone of our faith, the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray that we might be found faithful, that we might have our faith and confidence completely in this wonderful truth, and that it might guide us and prepare us for days to come. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, as we consider the incredible story of, of who Christ is, of what he did, of his death, uh, we talked about the cross last week and the, the gruesome death that, that was anticipated in the Old Testament, that the suffering servant, the one who would lay down his life for the sake of, of, of us. We also recognize that that's not the end of the story, and thank God it's not the end of the story. There's lots of religions who have lots of, of key leaders in their faith, but the one thing all these other religions have in common is that their key leaders all find themselves still occupying a tomb. Thanks be to God that we serve uh, the Lord Jesus Christ, whose tomb remains unoccupied to this day. You can go to Israel if you want to, and you can see inside of it if you want to. That tomb remains empty. And just like the cross was anticipated in the Old Testament, there was plenty of foreshadowing and prophecy that led in that direction. We also understand that the resurrection was well anticipated in the Old Testament. I love the book of Romans because Paul doesn't get past his signature before he stops, starts dropping some incredible truth bombs in what he has to teach. You know, when, when a letter was written in this day, the signature was often found at the very beginning. And it was, wasn't just a, 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 a dear church at Rome, thanks for, thanks for reading my letter. When you opened a letter in this day, there, the signature was the introduction of who it is that's speaking and what sort of credentials that individual has to make his letter worth reading. And the Apostle Paul does this. Paul, a a servant of Christ Jesus called to be an apostle, immediately the church would say, this is a letter we need to read. This isn't just some telemarketer sending us something through the mail. This isn't some offer of, of, of extending our automobile warranty that goes in the trash can. This is not junk mail. This is mail from Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle. And before we get much further, Paul begins to express some incredible truth. 
Right off the bat, he says that he's been set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. Right away, the Apostle Paul says, you need to know what the Old Testament says. Uh, forget this, mo this modern tendency to say we don't need the Old Testament. Forget that, folks, because the New Testament writers say you need to know what the Old Testament says. You need to pay attention to, to what it says because the Old Testament, as we have seen over the last three months, points us to the Lord Jesus Christ. You need to pay attention to this. In fact, we discussed this very thing a month ago on Easter. Can you believe Easter was a month ago? Uh, it's, it's incredible the, 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 the time that's passed. If you recall from a month ago, the, the prophet Ezekiel was taken to a grim sight. He was taken to a valley that was, that was filled with dried up human skeletons. And God asked the prophet, can these bones live? And Ezekiel, being a wise man, said, Lord, only you know that answer. I can't answer that question. However, in, in spite of, of that passage, it's not the only passage in the Old Testament that, that we begin to see this resurrection hope that is there in the Old Testament. Uh, we find, for instance, in Isaiah chapter 53, the a passage we've also talked about, about the suffering servant. We talked about that five weeks ago on Palm Sunday. We talked about it last week again as we alluded to it talking about the cross. The suffering servant was the, was the substitute who would lay down his life that we might have eternal life. However, the, there's more to the passage in Isaiah 53 than just the suffering of the Messiah. It details the suffering in, in agonizing, an agonizing way. However, we're told further on down in the chapter, Isaiah 53, beginning in verse 10, that the Messiah will, quote, divide the spoil, that he will see his offspring, and he will be satisfied when his sacrifice has brought righteousness to many. Now, now think about that for just a moment. Isaiah 53 talks about the, the suffering, the, the, the brutal pain, the death that the Messiah would experience. How in the world can one who has tasted death possibly have these victorious terms used about him, that he would divide the spoil? How could he see his offspring? Well, all this happens because, uh, here's the fact of the matter, dead men can't see. Dead men can't share the fruit of their labor. In order for this to happen, God's suffering servant must be alive in order for it to be fulfilled. In another passage over in Hosea chapter 6, verses 1 and 2, we read these words. Come, let us return to the Lord, for he has torn us that he may heal us. He has struck us down, and he will bind us up. After two days, he will revive us. On the third day, he will raise us up that we may live before him. Again, at first glance, this, this sounds like Israel is the subject of what Hosea is saying here. However, when we look at this passage in light of what we know about Jesus, it's clear that the prophet Hosea, again, is anticipating the Messiah who functions as a substitute for the nation of Israel. And so this prophecy clearly is not pointing to Israel as a nation. It's pointing to Jesus, the Messiah. I think what's interesting is the fact that, that Jesus' disciples, they, they miss this. 
Two of Jesus' disciples, for example, they expressed their disdain with, with Jesus, with Jesus, as they left Jerusalem after the events of the crucifixion. They were on their way back to a village called Emmaus. We don't know much about these guys, but they were on their way back to a village. Jesus showed up and walked with them. They didn't know it was Jesus who was with them. They told Jesus to his face that we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Jesus was there with them, and they said we had hoped that he was the one who would redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, they said, it's now the third day since these things happened. We had hoped that he was the one, but we've since lost that hope. We had hoped that he would redeem Israel, but it's been three days since he was on that old rugged cross. It appears that all hope is lost. I love what Jesus did with these disciples. We're told that on the journey that Jesus gave them an Old Testament theology lesson, that starting in the beginning and going to the end, he pointed out all of the Old Testament scriptures that pointed to himself. And when they got to their destination, they realized that they just got one of the greatest teachings that, that in, in, in biblical theology that's perhaps ever been, that's ever been offered. They, 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 they had hope. You still got hope. Jesus is there. Jesus is alive. Jesus is, is right there with them. He must have looked at him and said, how would you guys lose hope? You know the scriptures. You know about Ezekiel's dry bones. You know about the suffering servant that he will, he will clearly come back victorious. You know these things. Why would you lose hope in the midst of knowing what you know? Listen. We need not repeat their mistake. The resurrection of Jesus should give us great hope about the future. The old Gaither song. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. We don't have to say, you know, we, we had hoped. Because we understand that we, we do have hope. We still have hope. We know what has happened and we know what is going to come. We know that God is going to do all that he said he would do. We know that he will bring everything to a fitting close in its time. It doesn't matter how many viruses or plagues or pestilence. You know, God's not in the least bit rubbing his hands over the murder hornet. I saw that and I thought, you got to be kidding me. There's a two-inch long bee that I don't want to encounter this thing. I don't want to see it. I get a little nervous when I see a wasp nest. God's not worried about that. It doesn't matter how many viruses, how many plagues, how much pestilence there is. It doesn't matter because we understand, we have hope. Listen, church, that Jesus has conquered even death. Because I know who holds the future. Man, life is worth living just because he lives. The second thing we need to understand about the resurrection as we consider Paul's words today. At the resurrection, God reminds us 
of his faithfulness. You know, here, I love how Paul talks about this. He says here, um, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his son, who was descended from David according to the flesh. Why does that matter? Why, why, would, we, why would Paul highlight that he was a child of David? Why would that have significance? Well, it represents a tying up of loose ends that's there in the Old Testament. Uh, this, this idea that Jesus is the son of David. Now, I'll be honest, you and I, we probably don't think of King David on a regular basis. I mean, you, if you are a person who reads the Psalms a lot, you probably are more mindful of King David than those who, who don't. But, but I don't wake up in the morning and thinking, I wonder what David would do. <laughs> Maybe the question would be, I wonder what David wouldn't do, because sometimes that's a better answer. You know, when we come to worship, when we go to our Sunday school class, one day we'll get to go to Sunday school classes again, I promise. We're not thinking about David, really, unless it's a subject of a sermon or it's part of our Sunday school lesson. We don't, we don't focus on King David very much. However, prior to the resurrection, there is an uncashed check that's still floating around in the theological checkbook of the Bible. There's a, there's a promise that God had made that has not come to fruition yet. There was a, a check that has written that has not been taken to the bank yet. Don't forget, God's promised that there would always be a son of David on the throne. Now, clearly, David's immediate descendants didn't get this right. Uh, the, they didn't do so hot in helping to see that this promise would be satisfied. Yet we know Jesus was a legitimate descendant of King David, and Jesus is no longer in the tomb while David's other sons are. Jesus is not in the tomb. Jesus is alive. It's impossible to sit on a throne when one is dead. It is impossible to reign and to rule when one occupies a grave. But Jesus did not. Jesus, that son of David, conquered death finally and fully. He became the one who would fully and eternally satisfy God's promise that a son of David would always be on the throne. And so while we may be quick to brush over Paul's introduction here, we need to understand that Paul here is putting a bow on the package for us and reminding us of exactly what God has done. I love how Paul expresses this over in 2 Corinthians 1.20. If you are an underliner, a memorizer... If you want a passage that you want to hold on to, this is one for you. The Apostle Paul says this, For all of the promises of God find their yes in Him. Jesus satisfies it all. He represents the fulfillment of all the things that God has said. Which actually points us in the direction of another one of those uncashed checks that I've been alluding to. One of those promises that God made that's not yet been taken to the bank. The promise to Abraham years before David. That promise that Abraham would be a blessing to the nations. 
Guess what? In Jesus, that promise finds its yes as well. Because right now, courtesy of the resurrection, it has ushered in the last stage of God's redemptive plan. Now, real quick, are you, Pastor, are you saying these are the last days? We've been in the last days since Jesus rose again. We've been in the last days since that day. Does it mean that it's happening tomorrow? Only God knows that. Does it mean it could be another thousand years? That's only known in the mind of God. So these are the last days in the sense that God is wrapping up all the promises, wrapping up all the things that he said he would do. And so the resurrection has ushered that in. If you recall, about five years ago, the, the last time we actually met face-to-face -face in this room, back on March 7th, that's five years, right? Something like that. Well, that day, we talked about Abraham. We talked about God's promise to Abraham. And, and in reality, our conversation about Abraham has been threaded through every conversation we've had since that day. But that day, we talked about God's promise to Abraham, that God would give him land, that he would make him a great nation, giving him descendants, and that God would use him to bless the nations. Well, two-thirds of that promise, before we ever even get out of the, the Old Testament, before we ever leave the, the book of Exodus even, we see that two-thirds of those, those promises were, were working towards fulfillment. But the last one, the idea that, that Abraham would bless the nations, that, that one, we have a hard time finding that one in the Old Testament. We got land, Joshua conquered it. We've got nation, descendants. They had a ton of descendants before they ever left Egypt. But blessing the nations, well, let's just say the struggle was real for Israel to be a blessing to the nations. So here it is. We've got this, this uncashed check floating around that, that God said he would do this. We believe God would honor it, but it's not yet cleared the bank. It's interesting Abraham would bless the nations. What's interesting about that is that there were nations that they didn't even know about. When, when Moses recorded God's promise to Abraham, Moses being the author of the book of Genesis, wrote that down that, that all the nations would be blessed, their view of the world was sort of narrow. I mean, for, for instance, Western civilization didn't even know about Australia until 1770. If you looked at Abraham and said, there's a huge continent in the southern hemisphere, Abraham said, what's the southern hemisphere? They didn't even know about it until 1770. There were people there. There, was a, there, was, there, were, there was nations there. Brazil, to this day, has close to 70 indigenous tribes that have had virtually no contact with the outside world. Yet, even those people are included in the promise that all the nations would be blessed. Consider that for a moment. We're living in a day, man, the, the means, the technology we have today is absolutely incredible. We were talking about what would have happened if this virus had broken out even five years ago or ten years ago. 
I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm just as tired of Brady Bunch meetings uh, as the rest of everybody. I mean, you know, although trying to get to the Alice Square is a is a is an is an honorable objective right now. Uh, that's a look around at everybody, right? Uh, you know, I, I'm just as tired of that as anybody. But but I said in a Sunday school class last night in my living room, interacting with people who were all in a Sunday school class. I've sat in a, a, a conference call with the governor of the state of Georgia where, where we were there, uh, hundreds of us were in this, in this virtual room hearing from our governor as he sat in his office. The, the, the means and the technology that, that we have that have that's allowed the church to continue in, in some way is absolutely remarkable. And five, ten years ago, it wouldn't have happened. It wouldn't have been possible. Yet we have the means today. You, you think about the fact that, that there are things that we know today that, that Abraham, that Moses had no concept about. That there are people in South America who have had no contact with, with light-skinned folks like us. That there's, there was a continent in, in the southern hemisphere that no one even knew about in this world. Yet God, in his wisdom, promised that through Abraham, all the nations of the earth would be blessed. You know, we are living in a time, we are living in a generation where we truly are the first generation that could see, that could see this check be taken to the bank that all the nations of earth would be blessed with the gospel. hundred years ago, it wasn't possible. Fifty years ago, it wasn't feasible. But today, this, 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 this service that we are having right now with a fast enough internet connection off a cell phone, could reach the ends of the earth. Using a, a simple app like Google Translate, my English language can be converted into the tongue of someone else that they can hear clearly the gospel in their own tongue, like an like a electronic version of Pentecost. And Paul says here, look at verse 4. He was declared to be the Son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ, our Lord, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all nations. Even the Apostle Paul didn't know the things that we know. Because of the resurrection, we as a people today are in the process of bringing the hope of the gospel to the ends of the earth. And now, suddenly, unlike anything that had been imagined under the old covenant, a global force has been unleashed to bring the hope of God's promises to the nations. 
I am convinced that since we have all gone digital, that more people have heard the gospel in, than any other era in history. We had people on our YouTube channel two weeks ago that clearly didn't know the gospel. But they logged in and, and got a chance to hear the gospel more than any other time in history. Because of the resurrection, we have the opportunity to bless the nations through the gospel. And, and let's be honest. The gospel is the only thing that can truly bless the nations. We can give money, we can give aid, we can give support, we can do all of those things, but it is the gospel that is the only universal thing that can truly bless the nations. In the midst of this coronavirus, we've seen firsthand that the world and her systems are flawed and failed. However, in the face of death and disease and despair, there is one thing that remains. God loves you. God sent his son to die and to destroy the works of the devil. He raised his son from the dead to conquer death, and he offers eternal life to all who would believe on him and put their faith and trust in Jesus. Lastly, we need to understand this. The resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ is foundational to the Christian faith. We need to understand how important this is. This is more than just something that we celebrate on Easter Sunday. This is more than just something that we allude to and talk about at funerals. Underline this, write this down. This is completely the 100% truth. You cannot be a Christian and deny the resurrection. How do we know? Because the Bible says so. Over in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 17 through 19, we read these words. If Christ has not been raised from the dead, if there is no resurrection, what Paul says is profound. Your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Furthermore, those who have also fallen asleep in Christ, they have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life alone, we are of all people most to be pitied. There's no resurrection. Turn your phone off. Watch something else. There's no resurrection. Turn the lights off. There's no resurrection. Let's go home and stop what we're doing. Because if there's no resurrection, we're all still lost. We're all still in our sins. <laughs> and we're to be pitied by the world around us. Paul said in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Notice he doesn't say it's an and or. He doesn't say it's okay if you, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, but believing in your heart that God raised him from the dead, that, that's, that's negotiable. That's not what Paul says. It's an and condition. You, in order to be saved, you must confess that Jesus is Lord. You must believe in your heart that God raised him to, from the dead, and then you shall be saved. In 2017, 
The BBC did a survey of Christianity in Great Britain that suggested that one-fourth of the people in Great Britain who describe themselves as Christians do not believe in the resurrection. I mean this with all the love of Christ in my heart. You cannot describe yourself as a Christian and reject the resurrection. As Paul says, if the resurrection didn't happen, then your faith is futile, you're still in your sins. The confession of Romans 10.9 is and, not and slash or. An older survey in 2002 of Anglican clergy in the United Kingdom revealed that one-third of clergy do not believe the resurrection. Two things come to mind. It's probably gotten a lot worse in the last 18 years. And it is likely a preview of what will take place in our land as well. You, if you claim to be a Christian who loves and follows Jesus, yet you reject the fact that he is alive, that he has conquered death, then your Christianity isn't Christian. This morning, I would implore you to consider the evidence. Consider the fact that the man who wrote these words in the book of Romans and wrote so much of the New Testament, consider this fact that he was persecuting and murdering people who followed Jesus until when? Not when he had a philosophical uh, awakening. Not when he thought about it and came to his senses. He changed when he met the risen Lord. And I would ask you today that if you've denied, rejected, pretended the resurrection didn't matter, I would ask you today to consider the evidence, repent from sin, trust in Jesus is Lord, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, trust God for forgiveness of sins, and receive eternal life today. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the resurrection of the dead, which is guaranteed by the resurrection of Jesus. I pray, Lord, that you might help us to be faithful to this truth, that our Christian faith might indeed be Christian. And Lord, if there's any listening today or in days to come, that they would trust Jesus, that they would understand that he lives, and that they would find their hope in him. Lord, we pray you're, you'd move in the hearts of those today who are listening. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you would like more information about Chattanooga Valley Baptist, check us out on the web at cvbchurch.org. If you would like to join in person, we worship every Sunday morning at 1045. We're just minutes from downtown Chattanooga. We hope to see you soon.